A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to, to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall receive and bear a, uh, bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus, the gospel of the Lord. I don't know about you, but do you love dreaming? When you go to sleep, you wake up and go, what the heck was that all about? And there's some dreams that I've had, I go, no, don't wake up. I don't, I want this dream to continue. Am I the only one that does that? Good, because we normally don't talk about dreams. But there's a consistent dream that I've had for about a year and a half now, and it's really fascinating to me. And there's times I go, man, I wish that dream would continue, and I wish the reality would not kick in. It's a dream that I've always dreamed about my mother. Now, I haven't talked about my mom in a long time. She has stage seven dementia. She's in a home. She's a vegetable. She has no idea who I am. But in those dreams, which is fascinating, she's on a journey, on a road to dementia. And I keep telling her, no, 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 mom, no, don't go that way. Just stay here and let's talk. Let's spend some time talking. And in that dream, I vividly hear my mom's voice. I vividly hear her talking, but she still has dementia, but she continues to go down that path, and then I wake up. Now, sometimes when we have dreams, and dreams are real fascinating, God speaks to us through dreams at times, not just dreams that we sleep, but dreams that we have with our imagination. So today I want to look at Joseph, because Joseph had this strange, incredible dream that not only was peculiar, but it changed his life. And so it's, some, it's interesting to me when Joseph, because when he dreamed this dream, not only that when he woke up, he acted upon the dream. He trusted the dream, even if the culture and our society said, no, no, don't go that way. Because he trusted God, so therefore he followed his dream. Now, understand this, that when uh, your fiance becomes pregnant. Now, my parents never taught me about the birds and the bees. So I'm not, and I've never taught anybody about it anyway. But my understanding, and I may be wrong, but when your daughter or a woman becomes pregnant, most likely, I may be wrong, there was a man involved, right? Okay. 
just as long as I get this straight. And so when you look at this, that Joseph was going, okay, something's going on here. Something's going on. It's not making any sense. And you have to understand, in the culture, when you got engaged, it was a contract between two families. It was an arranged marriage. And so, therefore, what happens is when you, you have an arranged marriage, it's contractional, and it goes all the way. It's really deep. And so, therefore, he was planning to break the contract. He was planning to say, you know what? I'm going to honor Mary. I'm going to do it quietly. It shows how much he loved, because in that culture that day, you can scream it on the top of the lungs and say, hey, she's having an affair, she's cheating. And therefore, in that culture at that time, when you're having an adulterous affair, the woman, not the man, but the woman is stoned. Rather fascinating to me when you look at Jesus, when, when Jesus was, when they caught the woman in adultery, in the very act of adultery, and they were going to stone her. Where was the guy? Am I the only one that was thinking about this? The double culture in our society. So it shows you that Joseph really honored Mary and was going to break it break it and not be involved with her. But this dream totally changed Joseph's mind. When he woke up from this dream, when he had this dream, it was so interesting that he actually planned to act upon the dream. I don't know if many of you had, have had a dream that all of a sudden you wake up or your imagination, you go, I have a dream that I believe the Lord gave me. That sometimes we wake up in the reality and we don't act upon that dream, do we? And we just go, you know what, that was just a dream. But Joseph was strong enough to act upon this dream. And so, therefore, he, he decided, I'm going to stay with her. He chose to believe his dream. He chose to act in faith. And he chose to believe in God. Now, this is interesting in the Gospel of Luke. If you jump over to Luke, Mary had a similar experience where she had to accept and trust God's will. You know, if you look at Joseph and Mary, God's will was not easy. And, you know, one thing, I don't know, I'm just opening up here today. But you know that song, Mary, Did You Know? I hate it. I hate it. Mary knew. Mary figured this out before she had the, you know, when all of a sudden she was, her life was going to be turned upside down. So, but no one sings Joseph, did you know? You notice that? <laughs> Joseph, did you know? <laughs> You're going to be totally forgotten about. And so, <laughs> I'll make up my own lyrics before Joseph. But Joseph acted on it. And oftentimes, we are given dreams by God, whether in our sleep or with our imagination, that we can see a life in a new way of seeing. That all of a sudden, we can see hope in a situation, that we can bring hope in that situation. Or we can be the answer to a situation. Dreams can inspire us and inspire our faith when we act upon the dreams that God has given us. Look on the screen. A dream can open up completely new ways of seeing things in ways that transforms us inwardly and outwardly. That is why dreams can be so frightening. We are forced to imagine the implication of acting as if the dream and not current reality is more real. Perhaps that is why the angel Gabriel's first words to both Mary and Joseph were, do not be afraid. Where there is opportunity for faith, 
There is always a need for encouragement, uh, courage. <laughs> Have you ever had a dream that you don't share with anybody because it's crazy? Think about it. Because you don't want to be judged. That dream that God has given you is incredible. But you just go, I need some courage to do that dream. And so therefore what happens, we just embrace the reality and just kind of think, that's a pipe dream. I can't do anything like that. Do you see how it works? Fear is the obstacle to faith, isn't it? It is a friend of the status quo and will stop you from acting on your God-given dreams. It's fascinating. You know, back in 1980-something, the Lord gave me a dream that I would be a pastor. I had no ability. I don't even look like a pastor. I don't act like a pastor. I can't, I can't even talk like a pastor. But I knew the Lord gave me that dream to pastor. And I've told, when I was telling people, you know, the Lord told me to be a pastor, they go, you? No. And then you just keep it quiet. But the thing is, you can keep it quiet and fulfill the dream. You don't have to tell people, you just do it. And so this is why you have to be careful about dreams because sometimes there are two sources of dreams. There's dreams that we get from God and there's dreams that we get from our own self, our ego. That all of a sudden our, our, our dream is to fulfill our self-esteem, our dream is to make ourselves look good. This is why all of us have, here's an ego dream to win the lottery. That's the ego dream. Because I've had people say, hey, <laughs> pray that I win the lottery because you know 10% of $400 million of your church is pretty good. And I'm thinking in my head, you don't even give 10% now, let alone $40 million to the church after, right? I don't say that. I just think it. It's a whole different thing. You don't become giving when you have more money. You begin to be giving now. And so therefore, the dreams of really what God's given you is not ego-based dreams. In fact, we can learn a lot here from Joseph when it came to his dream. Was his dream ego-based or was the dream God-based? God Follow me in Matthew chapter 1. It's on the screen. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will are to name him Jesus, for he will, will save his people from their sins. Now, I think there's a couple of tests, two questions here, to test, is my dream legitimate? Is my dream from God? Or is my dream self-centered? And sometimes what happens, we get a dream from God, and we create a self-centeredness out of it. We can do that. And so the question one, and I put it on the screen here, the first test question, if I act on this dream, will it be, result in more of Christ being delivered into the world or more of my ego-based self? If I fulfill this dream, I'm sure that the last thing of Joseph's mind was, if I act this dream, I'm going to look good. He's not. 
He's, I don't think Joseph goes, man, if I do this, can you imagine St. Joseph? No. They're not going to have pictures of you in the Catholic home praying to you. No. It's not. So Joseph's dream was not ego-based. It wasn't about, he wasn't thinking, oh, man, I'm going to look good if I do this. No, this dream was far bigger than any of part of him. That he had to totally trust God in this situation because not only it was against the culture, but it was against everything that he believed in himself. He had to trust and give and, and trust God in this situation. And so this is where Joseph played an important role. His dream was to bring Jesus into the world. That was his dream. That's all it was about, to bring joy and hope into this world. God gives us a dream, and it's always and foremost of bringing hope in a hopeless situation, joy in a joyless situation, and bringing Jesus in our circumstances. And if any dreams need to be fulfilled now, it's in our current political system now that we need to bring Jesus in this situation. And we all have a role to play of making this dream become a reality. See, on the screen, when God gives you a dream, fear will always, almost always kick it to a stop you from living into it. The ego fears failure, pain, looking bad. So it will try to roadblock anything that pulls you out of the safety of your comfort zone. Selfish dreams tend to gradualize, but call you to risk as little as possible. That's some big risks to obey. Isn't it? There's some dreams that I've, I knew the Lord gave me. I'm scared to do it. I'm scared to do it because I don't want to look like an idiot. And see how the ego stops it? I always ask this. I ask people, if you could do something for God and God would guarantee success, what would you do? Within two seconds, everyone has answers. Two seconds including myself. Well, what stops us from doing that is fear. Because we don't want to fail. We don't want to look like idiots. And our pride gets in the way. And so the second question I have to, we have to ask ourselves is, will the dream result in freedom from destructive pattern of sin? Or will it bring more destruction to you and those around you? Now, this church calls me PK for Pastor Kevin. Real simple. My previous church was Rev Kev. And so, and it's funny because when someone calls me Rev Kev, I go, well, that was 22 years ago in my own church. But PK. PK also stands for Pastor's Kid. So I'm a PK both ways. Pastor Kevin, Pastor's Kid. Which means I'm a pastor, I have issues. PK, Pastor's Kid, I have issues. And the thing is, Brooke is a pastor's kid. Okay, I don't need to say any more. <laughs> okay, I won't say. Okay, pastor's kids, and, and, and I'm sure there's a few out there that are not. We are messed up. We are really messed up. And, and the reason why, and I'm going to speak for myself, is because sometimes when a pastor gets a dream, the dream becomes about him instead of bringing the kingdom of God here. 
and it becomes about how he looks and how he perceives and perception within a pastor's family. Because I've always said this, the reason pastor's kids have issues is because the congregation gives them issues, okay? It's not just the dad. And so therefore, they want their pastor and their family to have this holier-than-thou look. And so I remember there were times that I was disciplined, not because of my behavior, but my, I was disciplined because the perception of what my dad wanted to project was quite different than, what, than who we were. And so therefore, there was two ways of discipline. It was, I, wanna, I want, you're doing this wrong, and you're making me look bad, which when you cross those, it doesn't make any sense. Because you say things that are not consistent with helping a child. I won't bring up my issues, but anyway. <laughs> but so therefore, the pastoral, being a pastor's kid, or having a vision, and what you're doing in ministry, you gotta be very careful that you don't make it about you. And a lot of pastors, when they go in the ministry, it's all about numeric growth. It's all about, I want a church of four or 5,000 people. And it's really not salvation-based, it's about ego-based. And we've got to be very careful on that. And so we have to look, a lot of pastors, and, you know, that fall into this destructive behavior of this sinful pattern. And so we become workaholics, we become physical abusive sometimes. We, we try to get our whole family to conform. Then our family members become the blame if something doesn't go right. And so I don't know if you've had a dream that you tried to fulfill, and all of a sudden you go to a loved one and say, I could do this if you were more supportive. And you're thinking, it's your dream, not my dream. And you have, and, and so you've got to be very careful about, uh, about these dreams really bringing the kingdom of God to us, or are we real focused on our ego? Now notice the angel Gabriel says to Joseph about what Jesus would do. It says this in Matthew chapter 1. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Follow me on the screen. Dreams that come from God always have to do with salvation, from the ways in which sinful patterns play out in our lives and our lives of others. So salvation from sin has to do with restoration. God is all about restoring. It's, God is all about transformation. This is where I knew without a doubt when I, the Lord put on my heart, restore in order to restore. I, that is definitely a dream that God has given me because it has to do with salvation. It has to do with, with, with breaking the destructiveness of our own sinful patterns to restore us back to the way God created you and me to be. Life is not meant to be this complicated. You know, we complicate life a lot by our decisions. And I look at my life and I go, at my age, why is it so complicated? Why am I taking everything so bluntly serious? And so the thing is, this is where the restoration, that we are called to live at peace, not just with one another, but peace within ourselves. Some of my biggest battles are not outside with you guys. It's here. It's within here. 
that why in the world am I focusing on peace on the earth and peace to everyone if there's no peace within? I have to have peace first. I have to have salvation first. I have to have restoration first within me before I can help bring anyone into restoration. We gain the vision of compassion. We begin to gain a vision of restoration. Although dreams will call you to great courage, they are first for your own restoration. And then the restoration of others. Dreams, dreams that are not life-giving to you and to those around you are not dreams from God. But what does God's dream look like? What does God's dream of salvation look like? The first chapter of the gospel in Matthew today talks about that. And Matthew makes it clear that Jesus would come to save people from their sins. If you jump to near the end of the Matthew in chapter 25, you'll see this incredible picture. It's a picture, it's just a beautiful picture in Matthew 25. And let me read it to you. When the Son of Man comes to his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of the glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep to the right hands and the goats to the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you went to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, and you, and you gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you as a stranger, and welcomed you, or naked, and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it unto one of the least of these who are members of my family, you have done it unto me. Now this scripture can be confusing for a lot of people because they think in order to have salvation, you have to earn salvation. And that's not what Matthew is saying here. Matthew is sharing a picture. Now follow me here of what it looks like when people have been saved from their sins. Those who have been saved from their sins by Jesus are sheep in this picture. They are the ones who have been given a dream of restoration, and they believed the dream. As a result, they played their part in God's dream of making Christ real in this world. You see, it's interesting. God has given us all a dream. As Joseph do we have faith enough in Christ? Do we have faith enough to get past the fear and to have courage to do what God has put on our hearts? This is interesting. Paul, Apostle Paul talks about this as well. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not by your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. But we are what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. When we begin, now get this, when we begin to trust God, we begin to follow God. When we begin to follow God, we begin to fulfill the dream he has given us. 
when we begin to fulfill the dream he's given us, then it helps restore others to be restored and it helps others to be healed as we are being healed ourselves. The dreams God gives us can be scary because it usually requires change. I hate change. Unless you like it. But I don't like change. That requires us to step outside of our comfort zone. That requires action to take part. Back on the screen. The remedy for fear is courage. Courageous action. Courage is not the absence of fear. Then it wouldn't be courage. Courage causes us to speak and act not from the fears in our heads, but from what God has placed in our hearts. What is it in our hearts if we search for it? God has graced us with perfect love that will never abandon us nor fail us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. And where Christ is, is love is. And where there is perfect love, there is courage to follow into God's dream for, our, our, for your life. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. This is why I keep saying why we have no judgment, only love. Thursday, during a prayer time, I was uh, sharing a story about my, what my wife was talking about a few hours prior to that. And about every other Thursday, I have this incredible group of ladies that pray with me, and we pray for each other. And I shared a story that my wife shared. And uh, my wife, she's a school teacher. She works for Hillcrest Elementary School in South Central. And... Uh, one of the fourth graders raised his hand and said, can I ask a question to the class? And he asked a question which I thought was powerful. If you could get one thing for Christmas, what would that be? Just one gift. And so, typical kids, but there was two kids that answered that just broke Jennifer's heart. One girl raised her hand and said, I want to see my mother at Christmas. Her mother's incarcerated. And so when my wife was sharing the story, she was getting emotional. Now, you know my wife. She's not the emotional type. You know me. I am. <laughs> okay? And so when she gets emotional, I just lose it. And then she said, another girl raised her hand and said, the only gift I want is food at the table every day food. And when she told this story, she broke down. Now, as I was telling the story to the prayer group, uh, Renee said, that would be a cool question if we just asked ourselves, if we could get one gift of Christmas, what would that gift be? When we went around the circle within 10 minutes, Everybody was emotional. Very fascinating. Because it wasn't about paying off the mortgage. It wasn't about doing this. It wasn't about getting this or a trip. And all of them shared about salvation and restoration within their own family, within their own friends, within their own things. And it dawned on me that, that night, all of them were sharing the dream God gave them. Isn't that incredible? All of them did it without even saying, well, God, 
Now, as the worship team comes forward, I want to challenge you guys, because I'll be here on Christmas Eve, and I'll be kind of ending this, this message a little on Christmas Eve and based on Luke. But I want to challenge you. Go back to the dream. Go back to the dream that God has given you on your heart. Whatever it may be, he could have given it to you when you were 12 years old, 15 years old, that somebody told you that was stupid and don't do it, or I can't do it. I promise you, the dream that God's given you, he can't do it. He can do it through you. That's how it works. That's how God's dream works. Joseph couldn't say, you know, here's my dream. I'm going to be the father to the Messiah, the physical father. You go, what? But it was a dream that already God put into place, a dream that he had in his mind. The same thing with you. Can you imagine what next year would look like if half of you, including myself, start being obedient to the dream that God has given you? You watch this world will change. Just when you move the fear and grab the obedience, when you learn to trust and when you learn to follow God, you will watch it. It's going to be fulfilled. May God bless you and may God bless his word.